Drowning in status updates and lost in endless emails? Break free with ClickUp.com, the one app to replace them all. Imagine a world where your team collaborates effortlessly in one shared space. No more chaos, just ClickUp. Your projects, tasks, and communication unified at last. Transform how you work with customizable views, seamless integration, and real-time updates. ClickUp is your shortcut to more productive days and happier teams. Join the millions of productive teams already streamlining their workflow. Visit ClickUp.com to get started. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Pats, pals, and Foxborough friends, we welcome you back to another exciting and information-packed episode of Six Rings and Football Things, brought to you by your friends at WEEI, WEEI.com, and Odyssey Sports. I'm your old pal, Nick Fitzy Steven, joined as always by Andy Jumbo Hart and Chris Shime Time Shime. On today's podcast, you're going to get some firsthand analysis from one Jumbo Hart who attended day one, June 7, 2022, of mandatory veteran mini camps at Gillette Stadium today for the New England Patriots. We're also going to get later on in the program a little bit of the listener mail, as always, plus a little Patriots potpourri, the floating news, notes, and nuggets out there in the worldwide Patsosphere. Good afternoon, gentlemen. No need to get to the whole how are you routine. Let's get right down to it. Andy, you had eyes on the ground there for us today outside Gillette. What did you see? Who impressed you? And who makes you make Andy Hart sounds? Well, no, there was actually an Andy Hart sound that was like, ooh. And uh, and I know that's strange to say. um, But it was a first visualization of number 59 in your program. But -hmm. number one in your heart, Sam Roberts, their rookie draft pick defensive lineman, is absolutely effing massive up close. So I want to set the scene. We are at Gillette Stadium. We're at the south end of the field, but we're not on the usual double training camp practice field for this camp. We right. are that's, on the, that's the one on like sort of like the backside or wherever, like where everyone is in August. And yes. No, yeah, we're the okay. one down a notch. It's like gotcha. 50 feet below sea level down a little bit. The old mm-hmm. revs practice field where the heliport is, where the helicopters land yep. down in that area. So... It's a smaller field, so we were kind of doing press conferences right on the end of it where there are various uh, blocking dummies and pads and things are. So we're waiting to do Belichick's press conference, and some of the D linemen come down, and they're hitting these little one-man dummies and sleds, and they're doing drills. And, like, I've been Dietrich-wise. He's a big guy. Like, he he fills out the uniform, all those things. Like, these very – Lawrence guy comes down, and then Sam Roberts comes down, and I'm telling you, he – is a badass looking mofo. I don't know so, if he like can play. we're talking stri- we're talking like striking as in like 
Wow, I was not prepared for what a massive figure of humanity you are. Yes, and as a defensive lineman, not fat, fills mm-hmm. out the jersey. Remember, these are still non-contact, so he just had like a jersey and shorts on or whatever. Um, but that was my very first initial takeaway, waiting at around 11.30 for Bill Belichick to speak, that keep an eye on Sam Roberts. Don't know if he can play, but he's a bus guy. You get him off the bus first, and he'll scare the other team. Now, Andy, I believe he what was taken in a sixth round, I think, Sean. Yeah, That's what I was going to say. Like okay. out of like South, like a, an obscure, like, yeah. One of those Northwestern, Southeastern Missouri, something state somewhere. Northwest, okay. East Alabama, South Dakota, Carolina university. Right. Had success but, but some of those. in that particular, like D two school that he played at though, I believe he was defensive player of the year or one best lineman, like had a sterling track record. Just, oh, yeah, no, he's good. Yeah. He, he has good talent. Yeah. He's like a lot of these other guys though, that the jump in competition, the opportunities, we'll see where it all goes. So my my real takeaway of the day, the yes. first thing that I think we need to talk about is Isaiah Wynn was on the field, Nikhil Harry, some of the other guys that we hadn't seen, Matt Judon on the field. But where Isaiah Wynn was was interesting. Isaiah Wynn, through every drill that I saw that involved a team and an offensive line, was at right tackle. Yes, your Isaiah Wynn, who's been a left tackle. Some people want him to be a guard. He was solely at right tackle. Left tackle was Trent Brown's dealing with something based on the, the the work I saw him doing with the trainers, maybe a groin muscle pull, something like that. Um, Trent Brown was out there a little bit, not a ton. And then you had Yadni Kajust at left tackle and Justin Heron was rotating in after win at right tackle. But when I don't remember when playing a whole hell of a lot of right tackle and certainly not last year. I think his very first year, he may have done some in the preseason before he got hurt. I'm not even 100% sure on that, but I think it's interesting. We've talked about, I don't know anybody that said, oh yeah, just move Win to right tackle. Like all these theories I've heard, it's Trent Brown's your left tackle, move Win into guard, maybe put Onwenu at right tackle where he right. has plenty of experience. So I would pose it up to the fellas. Thoughts on Isaiah Wynn being your $10 million starting right tackle for a year? I like it a lot more than Isaiah win my starting left tackle for a year. So in my head, like I think that's an okay move. Like I think Trent Brown at left tackle is the spot that makes the most sense, right? He is easily the best left tackle you have on this team at the moment. So Isaiah win at right tackle is fine, especially if you're going to be running the football. I think he can at least be of some use. I think right tackle, especially nowadays in the NFL is far more important than people. (laughs) Andy give it credit for. Um, and so I think Isaiah, use, Isaiah Wynn can be useful at right tackle. And he's also less exposed, uh, not being on Max, Mac Jones's blind side. Yeah. See, I'm, I only care about making sure that Trent Brown is healthy. You tell me Isaiah Wynn is at right tackle. Interesting development. Much rather have him over there than I would at left tackle. Mac Jones's blind side is paramount to every other spot along the uh, offensive line and putting the largest amount of veteran strength and humanity that you can there in the form of all 365 uh, air quotes, all 450 pounds of Trent Brown there, keeping him healthy and, and on those toothpicks and those calf muscles that have been so balky the last couple of years. That's the most important thing. And yeah, Shime, good point. I don't think you expose Isaiah Wynn as much. I still do. I still would rather see Wynn, who just naturally seems the size of a contemporary guard, kicked into left guard. You put Cole Strange over right or flip them, whatever works best. And then, yeah, give Mike on Wenyu, who seemed to get a little overwhelmed and wasn't quick enough at the guard spot in 2021, a chance at right tackle where he surprisingly flourished whenever given an opportunity there. 
So, Shaim, interesting you bring up the idea of the fit over there, run the football. Now, we've had some discussion of are the Patriots trending towards a zone-based team, some of those wide zone plays. Maybe you want a more athletic right tackle to get out on those plays, get wide yep. in, in that action. And we know a lot of teams are right-handed. I know they don't want to be like that, but they play right-handed. They run that zone out there on the right tackle. Just, just a thought. So I, I think that's worth saying. Fitzy, the health of Trent Brown. I don't know how you cannot be um, concerned or prepared to be concerned with Trent Brown. He's really had one healthy year. It was a couple of years ago in New England. He played left tackle, and that was great. Mm-hmm. But before that and since that, he really hasn't been healthy. And therefore, the odds are he is going to be banged up, dealing with muscle issues at some point if he already is. And I feel like this offensive line right now, kind of a house of cards, <laughs> like or Jenga. Backyard Jenga and some Pull idiot, out, about, all just some guy who's apart, had right? too many beers is about to take out the lowest block and he's like shaking all over the place as he pulls uh, but out. But who's the block. that one then that's going to be Shime if we're going to go with the uh, backyard oversized, you know, brewery sized Jenga that the family likes to rally around after a couple wobbly pops? Who's the one piece that you take out and it all falls down? Is it Trent Brown? I mean, I guess that would be the defi- the default answer given that it goes up all, by almost two yards a carry whenever he's in there. Yeah, I mean that seems like the guy, right? He's he's probably he's arguably your best run blocker. He's your best pass blocker. Uh, outside of outside of Trent Brown, I think the next best answer would be David Andrews, right? Yes. I think pulling him out would literally just bring everything crumbling to the ground because I think over the years we've seen Tom Brady center is a far more important to that offensive line than a lot of people normally expect it to be, right? I think the communication between the center and the quarterback is one of the most important things, at least in this offense that we've seen in past years. Oh, hell and yeah. so, and so I think those would be the two guys. If either of them got hurt, oh boy, this offensive line could be in shambles. But at the okay. same time though, doesn't, don't the Patriots have like five guys that might be backup centers at this point? You got like uh Cody Russi, who they gave the most might guaranteed the money to. Uh, yeah. James Ferentz could play like Andy. You're making that. Oh, but please Fitzy face. Uh, if you have five, you have none. Yeah, you, I, you know what I mean? Like there's a number of guys that could play back there as well. Hey, listen, I would like to see David Andrews be available for 18 weeks and start all 17 games. And then hell maybe into, uh, into January and February as well. But like, to me, it's Trent Brown and beyond. And don't forget Isaiah Wynn grades out so much higher as a pass, as a run blocker than a pass blocker on the offensive line. So that could be a hand tip right there as well. Yeah. I just, to me, they're undermanned there and they already have questions about health because Andrews is coming back from an off-season procedure. He's still not a full go. Um, he's kind of doing conditioning with the um, injured or rehabbing group with Trent Brown and others. So uh, moving on to, I would say, the physically most impressive person executing his job on the field on Tuesday. Say it. Jake Bailey. Uh, oh, really? Absolutely MFing bombs. Hammers. Um, uh, there were some people recording, um, hang times. They were all in like the 5.5 to six second mm. range. Uh, it was contract it, year. It was only like, uh, whatever heard the, heard the criticisms, heard people trying to run him out of the town. Cause he makes too much money. Cause he made a pro bowl and makes 3.9 million. My theory here is he was on the injury report last year and we're going to find out at some point he played through some significant pain and limitations 
physically. Like a grade two out. hamstring or maybe a slight groin tear or something. Whatever like that. it was. I, I think he was listed with a knee. Doesn't mean it was a knee, but whatever. Um, I think you're going to find out he played. Th- he was absolutely crushing the ball today, crushing it like you hear about. And again, it's shorts, it's mini camp. So there aren't a lot of jobs where everybody's allowed to actually do it full go. The punter is one of those. Uh, very impressive. Equally as impressive in some ways, I would say. Your quarterback. There I thought your is. quarterback, Mac Jones, looked really good today, both in terms of throwing the football. Play of the day was probably a uh, a deep ball to Trey Nixon down the uh, left sideline, beating Jonathan Jones, kind of a go-get-it kid, and the kid went and got it. Good coverage. It's not like he toasted Jonathan Jones. You're a good veteran corner. Jones was there. He just dropped it in the bucket. Good throw. But equally as important from my eyes, is a continuation of what we talked about last week, I believe it was at OTAs or two weeks ago, his demeanor, his air, his telling everybody exactly where Nelson Aguilar, that's not where you're supposed to be. Um, you know, Tyquan Thornton, you're not supposed to be there or you're supposed to be there, but a second, like he very detailed oriented leadership that you're seeing from Mac Jones. Um, this is Mac Jones's offense right now. Yeah, see, I am all for it. You know I'm here for the big Mac Jones 2.0 leap. Mac Jones season upon us, and there are doubters and detractors as well. With good cause, understandably so. I just believe that the Patriots trust his intellect and his ability, like you were just pointing out, to be able to run the offense, get them in and out of the right place, tell people where to go. And then I was so happy to read from some of uh, your colleagues and our Patriots pals, your Jeff Howes, Zach, Co- Zach Cox's, and, and et cetera. What was that? Say, saying that, uh, you know, from Nesson, Zach Cox, bearded gentleman, recently married, excellent follow. You know Andy Hart. Right, honestly, please. can we just please continue with the podcast, please? There might be children listening or at least children participating. His name is Zach Cox. I, right. All right. Already. When you hand the, me the reins and I tell you to pipe down, then pipe down. It's now, a big the point part of be- the heat. All right. The point being that <laughs> the point being Oops. they all made note of the zip on the ball, plenty mm. of zip on the ball. But that that's the, predictable. I told you I that. I know, but the added. I told okay, you. Okay, I know get, you said that. That's going to get jammed down about, our throats. Oh, all right. Interesting choice ball, of words we considering who we're talking about. Stop it. The point being, Andy, jeez. Oh God, you were but, waiting you all day it? for this. Do this you is what happens it? when he's trapped with adults all day long? And he's like, I just can't wait to get back to the sandbox with Shime and Fitzy. It's true. No, I do it's believe true. that because if he adds 10, 12 pounds and cuts down on the baby fat, cuts down on the double stuffs and the nutter butters, and actually starts eating adult performance athletic food and, and works with Tom House in the offseason, that you are going to see a market improvement on his fastball and his ball placement. And then he's able to go downfield deep and sneak one in between D-Mac and John Jones. Yes, I know it's shorts and shells. It doesn't matter that much. At the same time, nice progress. Good start. Well, the one thing I'd say is deep balls down the left side have been a problem for him and his targets. All the way back to last preseason, there's been balls lost in the lights, guys dropping balls. Like, it just, for whatever. The 10-yarder he overthrew Hunter Henry on in that game, either against Tennessee or Cleveland. Just a hole in their team swing. And so, to and, and I will say, Nixon stepped up. Um, Attendance-wise, I mentioned some of the guys that were out there who hadn't been previously, the Judons of the world, the Winds of the world, the Harrys of the world. One guy not out there, and Bill Belichick did say he had spoken with everyone who wasn't there, and they sounded, he, he called them excused absences. Kendrick Bourne was not on the field, and it looked to me 
like Nixon was getting some born reps with certain groups and getting a, an opportunity. And I'll tell you, I, I thought he did a pretty good job. I thought he, he looked, he didn't look out of place. I'm not saying, yeah. Oh, he's going to be a star and look out born. You lost your job. Wait a Wally Pippet. No, 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 no. I'm just saying he looked like he was fine competing out there. Um, the biggest takeaway beyond those, mm-hmm. the defense was competing. The defense was at a higher level than the offense, for whatever that's worth, and I don't mm. want to get into a discussion about that on the first day of minicamp. No, but they had a little, um, they had a little edge to them, a little bee in their bonnet. Uh, Jack Jones made a tackle um, at one point, which obviously you're not supposed to tackle, which drew the ire of the receivers and the receivers coach. And then the very last play of practice, actually, um, we had a fumble. I think it was Christian Wilkerson fumbled. And on a high tackle again, actually, DB was kind of around his neck. Ball pops out. Judon goes to recover it. Cole Strange kind of went equally and kind of into Judon's knee. It was a uh, hey. all the coaches are yelling, "Stay up, stay!" and and it actually led to a little skerfuffle. I don't want to say like all oh, the benches cleared and they were fighting, but there was some some pushing, some shoving, some grabbing. Um, so there was definitely, it's not supposed to be a competitive camp. Obviously it's a teaching camp as Bill beats us over the head with all the time, but the defense was bringing it a little bit. Uh, I thought, which I think hmm. is a good thing. I'd like yeah. to hear that. There's some chippiness this early yeah. on. Yeah. You always want that, especially with a guy like Jack Jones or Jack Jones and Cole strange, two rookies need to mm-hmm. make a name for themselves, get themselves established within the organization. I think that's fine. And Cole strange, who a lot of people want to paint as Logan Mankins 2.0, not the worst thing for his sort of narrative and reputation to be involved in a little skerfuffle, not afraid to to ruffle feathers. Oh, Andy, I just want to ask you your takeaway. Like you were so impressed size-wise by uh, Sam Roberts when he walked on the field. First visual impression of Cole Strange. Nondescript. Just there? Yeah, just there. I big, mean, he just big looks person. like... Uh, yeah, but not huge. Just sort of a typical... Uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but like... White country strong offensive lineman, like sure, just I would say nondescript. He's got an interesting personality that I think we'll learn, um, both on the field and off the field over time. Like he was talking about his fine dining last week at Five Guys that he really likes going to Five Guys. (laughs) It's my it's my nine year old's favorite place. So it's uh, a good place. I don't think Ted Harper. Are you kidding? The large bag of fries, Cajun style, is like one of the greatest. It'll feed a family of four, no problem. Delicious bag of fries. So good. Shime, you had a point before we wrap up. uh, Uh, Yeah, I just just think, too, uh, we had mentioned that the Patriots may be shifting to that offensive zone run game kind of thing. Uh, If that is the case, I actually think Cole Strange fits a little bit better than uh, normally thought. I think he's because of that athleticism in that offensive system, you need guys who can move. I think that's a reason why he would actually make a little bit more sense in that system. Not to derail us. I'm just going to say one thing. Shaq Mason could move too. Okay, move on. All right. You made your point. point. I'm glad you've satisfied yourself. You put a little feather in your own very tiny, actually large cap that goes on your big head and now you're making bizarre gestures that belong in a terrible episode of the three stooges you can see it one day when you're able to watch us on youtube coming soon to a computer screen near you but we're so happy to be between your ears right now at six rings pod on twitter rate subscribe review share with your friends holler at us at jimbo heart at shime time and of course at fitzy gfy Moving on with Andy's thoughts from day one of mandatory veteran minicamp 2002. Andy, uh, coach spoke today just a whisker before noon o'clock. And to me, 
Uh, Lord Belichick, the emperor, good, was in midseason form already, particularly when asked, I believe, I think it was by our pal Andrew Callahan of the Boston Herald. Maybe someone else asked it, but we all read his tweet quickly. Uh, something about if the offense is going to look new this season. Uh, your takeaways from the coach, day one. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I have to answer more than he did. That was smart. I, I mean, like, that was well done, well played. So, so Belichick more. is asked, Coach, is the offense going to look new this season? And his answer was, I don't know. Holy and, and smokes. He, how... He was, um, oh my God. I don't think he, he wasn't, you know, it wasn't the worst of Belichick when he's deflecting and not answering and can be kind of cantankerous and all those things, but obviously he's not going to offer up information. He admitted, yes, he used the word streamlined, that they have streamlined the offensive terminology. They are streamlining some things. He did say, we did it a couple of years ago on defense. And somebody asked, was that 19? And he was like, yeah, I think 19 and 20. We streamlined some things on that side of the ball. Um, and then there were various questions about, well, what does that mean? Are there going to be dramatic changes that we're going to see? And he's like, well, it's not, not like we're going to run the Veer offense or stuff. You know, like, so that's where he started. Just, I'm not going to tell you guys what we're doing and how we do it. You have to watch and, and see. But um, I think too much is being made of this personally. Mm, thank uh, you. And, and I also... Thankfully, um, at least one of the players that said the same damn thing was like Mike on when he's like, yeah, it's it's pretty much the same. Like there's a few words that change. You learn the new word and what it means and then you move on. Um, I don't think I think people are expecting more dramatic uh, alter alterations to the offense than they're going to get. Maybe if you were in the huddle and watched a play from last year, heard what it was called and then watched it from this year and heard what it was called like. Oh yeah, they tweaked a couple things there. It was shorter. There weren't as many words like blah blah blah. But I don't think it's going to be a, a dramatic uh, new scheme as he kind of um, got into. And and this is a little working theory here. Okay. So I like a little working a, theory. I, I workshop. You may when this podcast is being posted, it may also coincide with a column where I think our fixation on play caller. We'll get into that in a minute. On scheme. On terminology and all these things streamlining we're all uh focusing on the wrong things are the players any good on the offensive side of the ball like i think this is all and i don't i'm not i'm not necessarily saying this is a intentional distraction by bill belichick i'm just saying the outside looking in seems like the media fans analysts are far more focused on who's calling plays how they're calling plays what plays they're calling, what scheme they're running, what is the uh, – Dan, correct me if I'm wrong, talent still wins in the NFL? Like, there you uh, go. Last time like, I checked. Like, even, like, Tampa Bay, they won with talent, and then we find out later that basically there was an internal struggle, right, between Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich, and, and Brady and Leftwich are drawing up game plans, and then Bruce Arians like, nope, don't like this, cross this out, cross this out. They were still pretty good. You know why? Talent. Their quarterback mm -hmm. was good. Their line was good. Their receivers were good. They had talent. There's and been I, internal struggles in Green Bay for years, and yet you want to know something? Still winning 13 games a year. Pretty much 13 and 4, 13 and 3, 12 and 4, however however you would like to package it or wrap it any given year. And I also was just thinking about this earlier before we recorded, gents, that in 2011, correct me if I'm wrong, the Patriots had a very successful, I won't say revolutionary, but a different offense than they had had in a long time when they kind of reinvented themselves with the two tight end sets, the Boston Tea Party, if you will, with Gronk and Hernandez, right? Billy O'Brien calling the plays. Billy takes a job as a head coach down 
with the Houston Texans. Josh returns. And what did the Patriots do in 2012? Kind of morphed into more of a running and play action team led by Stephen Ridley. That first game against the Titans, which they won against, of all people, the, the Hurt Locker, against Jake Locker, they ran the ball a ton. It looked like it was going to be more of a running and defense-oriented team. And they didn't throw the ball nearly as much that year. There were phase shifts in the way the offense operated multiple times over the last couple of decades. It just happens to be that Bill is bringing in his buddy system of former coaches and assistants that are helping him run this uh, reconfigured but yet ultimately similar offense that's giving everyone pause. Oh, and also, last time we saw the Pats, they get their doors blown off and served to them on a silver platter, and the long season is take the offseason is taken friggin' forever. But the 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 part of your point that I would like to pull from is 2011, you had two tight ends, you went mm-hmm. in that direction. 07, obviously, you had two elite receivers, a slot and a and rip a it and rip it. Yep. So let's just forget about who's calling plays, whether the terminology is wordy or not. They tend to build their offense around their talent, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. What is their talent? Like what if you were just Thank if you, you were sitting I've been saying this for months. They don't what, have what, that much. Well, all they, right. This see, is why people think, get upset with you. This is why we can't have nice things. I'm this just is, saying, what do you have like what is your best offensive weapon? Damian best, Harris. But you worded it wrong. How many good offensive weapons do you have? One and a half. Maybe I'll take the over. Wait, I think Hunter over under good. Wait, I think what, they have Harris one and a half good. good. No, no, I think no, no, Kendrick no, no, no. Bourne is good. I'm already at three. Kendrick Bourne, Hunter Henry, Damian well, Harris, again, Ramondre Stevenson, maybe Devontae Parker. Come on. You Sean. ask that question and, and, and you, have to, you have to get you have to like there has to be some sort of qualifier for good. If you mean elite, none. No, if, if I meant mean, elite, I'd about, say how about elite. the, how about about the opposite of bad. OK, yeah. If even if you say good, it's still not that many. Okay, Sean, let me ask you this. Andy, you may shoot this. At least three. Fitzy gets to like eight. No, (laughs) stop. It's not. It's not. That's just when I wake up in the morning. Maybe Uh, three on a good day. Uh, There's no shot. It's more than Hunter Henry is good. Kendrick Bourne is good. You, you, they're not. Now you want to change it to fine. You have, of all people, have established we know exactly what Hunter Henry is. Yes. 80 catch or what is it? 60 catches, 600 yards. 60 catches, 800 yards, and 10 touchdowns. Holy shit. Anybody would sign up for that. Come on. That's fine. That's good. It's just, it's lock, stock, and barrel fine. Like, it's not. It's 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 good. But let me, let me ask you, Shime, Shime, would you prefer an offense? And this is what I was going to say a minute ago. Uh, no, no one is running the entire offense through him. No, Let me get that's to my, my greater point. point. That's, but Let that's the me issue. get to my point. I wanted Make to ask the two of you, as I'm trying to like both drive and participate, would you rather have one, two, or up to three like elite talents on your offense and then yes. a bunch of Jags elite, versus period. like an entire offense that's good? Yeah. I want elites. Yeah. It's not even close. That's See, okay. that, but okay. that's my point is we're you talking about elites. building an offense around your talent it's obvious when you have Moss and Welker what your talent is. It's obvious when you have Gronk and Hernandez what mm-hmm. your talent is. It's obvious mm-hmm. in 2000, whatever that was, four, that Corey Dillon, damn, this guy can run. We should probably hand him the ball so he gets like 1,600 yards and sets a fan. And what? may I actually also posit in 2016, you had you still had Gronk and you had, Pry- and you had Edelman at his best yeah. and a sneaky great Chris Hogan. Well, Hogan, I'll leave to another day. All right, Hogan will fit right in on this receiving right. core. Yep. He's complimentary. He's good at times. My point Fine. is, Fine. 
somebody has to pick unless you're just real. I know they love to be game plan week to week, but that's really hard to do. If you're just every week trying to figure out exactly what the matchups are, what the style is. And it's even harder to do when you have a coaching staff that isn't really that experienced at doing that on a weekly basis. So my whole point is just, I think we've been so fixated on the coaching and the play call and all these things we've talked about ad nauseum. And you guys got all pissy when, when somebody, whoever it was we talked about, gave them like tier seven weapons. That was, that was just absurd. That was Mike Tannenbaum with tier seven. I was just trying to be, I was trying to be positive and put them in tier five instead of tier seven. Okay. Still not that great. Tier seven, no matter what do you build around? That's my bigger point is, and and maybe I think the simple answer, I don't know if it's right, because we already talked about the house of cards that is the offensive line. I do think you have two pretty good running backs. Like, yeah. I don't know how great they can be. I don't know if either is, you know, a pro bowl, all pro running back. If e- But I also don't know if either has to be. If they're both good, like, Shime, you'll admit that if both of those guys rush for right around 1,000 yards, they have a good rushing attack. I would absolutely agree. Well, and that's why I said, like, in my head, it's like one and a half. I think combined, the two of them, good running game, period. You have a good running game. That, I so think, what does I a think, running game count for? Just one good player? Like, you, you yeah, count in my the, opinion, the whole it's, it's one good thing. Yeah, but if they're good also the time, catching the ball out of the backfield, that adds to you the dynamics of your passing game as well. 99% of the time, they're not going to be on the field together. So in my head, it is one spot. It is one position that you are good at. And then, like, outside of that, but like, like, and I've been saying this now for months. I don't. They don't have any foundational talent. They is don't. Mac is Mac. To, to some people, yes. To me, no. Well, but the the one thing I will say, if Mac is as good as his p- proponents believe, mm-hmm. and his head and his leadership and his football IQ are as good as they say, dark horse MVP. He might just be the perfect guy for this offense right now to develop. Where he, it's all on him. There's a lot of pressure to pick your spots, pick your matchups, go through your reads every single play. He won't have the luxury of just going, oh, I'm Tom Brady. I just throw to Gronk or Edelman when the going gets tough. Nope, he's going to have to read every play out. But I think if you're Fitzy optimistic, you can sell Mm -hmm. yourself on that idea. Well, and it's nice to be back in my lane as well. And Andy, before we get to our final segment with listener mail and a little potpourri, I'm actually going to grab this from the potpourri section since we're talking about who we believe could actually be a star or is good to very good. I heard pretty good from Shime. I think he and Ramondre are better than just pretty good and together could make for a rather dynamic, if healthy, rushing attack. NFL.com recently just posted a list of each team's under-the-radar breakout player for 2022, and NFL.com said their under-the-radar breakout player for the Pats is Damian Harris. How is that underrated and a breakout player? Like, I, I mean, what, so right, I'll, what, I'll tell you exactly what they said. going to improve by 100 His yards? breakout season with the Patriots like, was last year, 929 yards, 15 touchdowns, 4.6 yards per carry, 15 touchdowns most by a Pats player in first or second season, five 100-yard games. As the focal point of a Patriots offense in 2022, he appears prime for another double-digit touchdown season and his first 1,000-yard campaign has the talent to become one of the best running backs in the AFC. So, uh, in my opinion, like, uh, first, so first of all, I just think that's a bad article because the guy, the kid broke out last year. Like, he had 15 touchdowns. It, but he's still, yards. but I think yeah, when exactly. they say under the radar, he's not like Derrick Henry. He's not but like But they're not going to give him the football enough to get him to 12 or four, 13 right. or 1400 because they have Ramondre Stevenson. Like, it's, it's going to be mm-hmm. balanced. They're not, again, you want him to be 
healthy if you are going to make a playoff run. So you're not going to drive him into the ground in the first four or five weeks of the season, giving him 20 carries a game. That's just not how this offense is going to function. Yeah, I I think he'll be fine. I like I Damian Harris. He could I'm give a you bigger... what he gave last year. And, and if he does, that's a good year. Yes. I would include right. him in my list of good options, good contributors, whatever the good, good, good is. But for a breakout year, he needs to hit like 1,500 yards. Right? Yeah, I would say I would say 13, 12, 13, but yeah. Well, I would say 1,200, 1,200 yards and double-digit touchdowns is kind of a breakout year, unless we forget it's also a free agency year for him as well. Yeah, I don't care about the touchdowns. Contract year. Cam Newton scored them, like Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis scored them, Damian Harris scored them. They're going to have short rushing touchdowns, and they're going to score them. Uh, it's, to me, it's more about big plays and explosive plays and getting over it, and that's how you get over 1,500 yards is you have some explosive. We'll say, little little tagline here to this segment, mm-hmm. Damian Harris – Loves him finishing runs in practice. He treats it like he's running toward either the the uh, end zone club there or the militia and like screaming at like he does this on the practice field. Like he starts yelling at like the five yard line like he really just scored and he's on the big board. So he's sort of, you know, acting the part of once again being a uh, playmaking touchdown scoring running back. Damian Harris is officially awarded this episode of Six Rings and Football Things Hardo Moment of the Week, a segment that is imminently right. sponsorable if anyone from ad sales is currently listening. Spoiler They're alert, not. they are probably not right now. Drop you can give problem. us a follow at there. Jumbo Heart, at Shime Time, and of course at Fitzy GFY. Who do you think could be the under-the-radar breakout player on the New England Patriots offense or defense in 2022? And this edition of Six Rings and Football Things marches on to its grand and glorious conclusion on a path to midweek victory. We go to Patriots Potpourri. Let's kick things off right now with a little listener mail. Shime time. Take her away. Uh, At King Gopes says, Shanahan's a bad coach without Jimmy. By that same logic, wouldn't that make Belichick at best a jag without Tom Brady? One playoff win in about 10 seasons, leading to a bigger discussion or bigger discussion. Do coaches get too much credit? The GOAT coach is Jag without great QBs, QB, carrot sign facing, GM, carrot sign facing, coach. Andy, your thoughts? Coaches get too much credit. Yes. I think it's still, and I said it earlier, like I'll always take the talent. You know, Fitzy, when you had your little thing, would you rather have three elite? Yes, I'm done. I stopped listening, right? I don't I don't need the rest of the sentence. Give me the elite players. Um, I still think, and the coaches say it. I don't know how much they actually believe it. Like, Bill says it a lot. I've never made a single tackle or a single catch or a single, but. Except for the fact that he lined up at center in the first day of minicamp as well, which was kind of hilarious. Uh, he also lined up in the slot. He went in motion. <laughs> he was running scout this. Uh, he's covering he's, in the flat. He's, again. he's committed this year. He, Any one of you who doubts the emperor. Oh, how dare you? That's it. He, Book he had that. those red. Uh, you don't helmet. think. <laughs> He had one of those red helmet condoms, like the players call it, that he had on his head, like he was on the scout punt team or whatever. Yeah, it was uh, 70 years old. I don't know if he's going to die on the football field, if that's his dream, like Jamal Adams. Was that Jamal Adams that said that? He wanted to die on the the middle of the football Uh, field. Yeah. I don't know if that's Bill's dream, but uh, he's active for a 70-year-old. So, yeah. Coaches are overrated. In Coaches general. are overrated. I couldn't agree more with that. And you know what? You know what's? You know what happens? Is always the ones that get too much credit are the ones that have systems. You know, like ooh, oh, I hate shit. that. And it drives actually the quarterback nuts. ones. Like Mike Martz was like a QB guy. Your guy Shanahan's a QB guy. Remember that guy from Cal when he had um, Aaron Rodgers? 
Tedford, I think his name was, the, the Cal coach. Oh, he's a QB guy. Yeah, I'm a QB guy if you give me Aaron Rodgers, too. The guy's one of the most <laughs> talented athletes that's ever walked on an effing football field. So, yeah, Andy, Andy Reid's a little different. Andy Reid's done it with a lot of quarterbacks. So, yeah, i got to be careful. not. Yeah, he has, actually. That's a good point. He's the one who shouldn't necessarily – who should get uh, – who should, who deserves more credit? And he's done it with quarterbacks like Alex Smith and and mm-hmm. others. So oh yeah. yeah, no, he's 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 one. Andy Reid's the real deal. I think that's actually the title of Andy Reid's coaching tree book. I've done it with Alex Smith and others. There you go. Uh, Zamudio that's- asks, how long is the leash for Mac Jones if he doesn't meet expectations? Well, is I mean, infinity. I mean, he has a long leash. I think his leash is as long as Bill Belichick's probably. It's as long as his contract, right? Like, I mean, first of all, we were talking about it today, all the the media types. I won't use names, but like if Brian Hoyer steps on the field, it means the competitive portion of said game is over. Whether that's the first snap of the game or the last snap of the game, garbage time because you're up, garbage time. Like Brian Hoyer is the backup quarterback. Like are people buying into that idiot morning show that's produced by some idiot that 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 zappy has put mac jones on a short leash or something uh, uh, like that we got we got to stop with that i don't are you care what veiled shots at me i don't I, think I, they I were veiled <laughs> they're the, a they oh. were completely unveiled and b as great okay. a story as bailey zappy is and or was because of all the hidden s- stats that he came from the college ranks with and how much we all love that viral video of him crying when he got the call from coach belichick make no mistake if bailey zappy looks good in august and then maybe comes in in garbage time once and throws a touchdown to Jacoby Myers or Zappy ending. Uh, <laughs> oh God, can't I've take never, him anywhere. I have never wanted a car Deshaun to go Watson off the rails. That no, that's it. Take you know what? Take a timeout. Leave the room. Shut Let the adults off. finish the podcast. That's Shut enough out of you, young man. Oh my, uh, oh my dear lord. But it would be nice just to see. Look good and look good in August. If you end up in one game. Uh, you know, if, Hoy- if Hoyer's, if you see Hoyer, Andy, that's because either it's a blowout or because there's been like a COVID outbreak. But if you see Bailey Zappi at all and he looks competent, looks like they wanted to develop a Mac Jones clone for redundancy behind him as a sure. quality backup in the future, that's all you are allowed or should to ask for or would want to see out of this kid. He's not pushing Mac Jones. Mac's not making too much. You already said earlier in the pod that Jake Bailey looked like he was absolutely blasting the ball. Okay, good. You're going to get your $3.9 million this year and, um, you know, punt Punterson or kick Masterson, whatever your name was that, uh, what's that quarter of the punter they took as an Odfa, the undrafted free Jake. Something. Oh, Jake. Julian. Yeah. Goodbye. Jake that's something. been fun. That's Jake cute. But Jake. like, that's done. We're done with that now. Yes. Um, Quick side note that I meant to say earlier, so I'm just going to – this is a potpourri, right? So it's really yep. just anything and everything. Anything um, goes. Update. I didn't want to lead with it because I'm sort of sick of talking just too microscopically about the play calling and Judge and Patricia and everything. Uh, Matt Patricia at the end of practice was indeed calling in plays with a walkie-talkie to the head of Mac Jones. So they've started that process because we've <sighs> talked about that. When does somebody's voice having to start going to somebody's ear – he was doing it, but it also comes on the heels of in seven on seven. It's just Bill Belichick and Joe Judge. Matt Patricia's off with the offensive line. So he like misses the entirety of seven on seven when you run, I don't know what it is, 15, 20 plays in the passing game with Mac Jones. So just that's the latest on that. They had walkie talkie and Matt Patricia was calling in plays with said walkie talkie. Perosi. And so this it was this particular morning on the day we record June 7th where the Matt Patricia is the leading candidate to call plays 
story kind of started circulating in and amongst the blogosphere, news reporting sites, etc. I still am a subscriber to the idea that it's going to be a group think. I think there are going to be a lot of people involved. I think this is going to be a multi-chef kitchen. And at the end of the day, of course, it'll be Bill who doles out the credit to the people when they win, like great call there by Matt or Joe installed that and had this idea earlier in the week as we were game planning. And if they lose or just get smacked around the yard, Belichick will be the one who uh, has to sponge all that up. And then meanwhile, players will be whispering, I don't know. I'm not sure who called the play. I'm not sure who drew it up. I, I, it's chaos on the offensive side of the ball. We have too many cooks in the kitchen and the meal sucks. Yeah, I, I'm, I don't fully expect him to call plays on game one. It's just I think they're trying some things out. I think they're tinkering mm-hmm. and, and kind of seeing what may work and what won't work and then going awesome. from there. And you got, like not, you got you 92 days you know till the, the kickoff. problem is with trial and error? Uh, there's error involved. In it? it always includes error. How about just do it? What, that would be nice. Where's the fun in just getting something right from get go? Isn't part of like like? Oh, I think that's awesome. There's nothing better than being great at something right out the gates. I'd be wonderful. I'd love that. I'd what be, about uh, learning from your mistakes? Yeah, why do I have to make that. mistakes? Yeah, if you're great, why, why do you have to make do, mistakes? Why do we fall down so we can learn how to pick ourselves up, dum dum? Would you rather be the heavyweight champion with like a 21 and 17 record? You're the heavyweight champion, or the heavyweight champion with a 42 and 0 record? Not because the, that first loss Looking. is going to look worse than the 17 losses. With gr- yeah, with, but I went 42 and 0, and I yeah, really yeah, heavyweight champion like, of the it's world. Because no, because I all, never need to find out. Even Hagler lost punch. one fight. All we talk about is the damn friggin' fight he lost, as opposed Lord to Mayweather the incredible career he fight. had. He's also a terrible person, and I would rather you not bring. He's an I'm not sure that's relevant. Absolute. It is in Tom my Brady, mind. Buddy. Tom Brady. It's my mouth and my mind, and they're allowed to express themselves as they wish. My mouth, my mind, my body. Time. Next listener question. Uh, MRF 505, how much change do you actually expect to see in the offensive scheme with the switch from McDaniels to Patricia slash Judge slash at all? Minimal. I think previously addressed minimal. Yeah, not much. Not a much. Yeah. I, I, and now some of it may look um, different based on personnel. Like if Devontae Parker returns to Devontae mm. Parker 1,200-yard receiver, that will, al- that will alter the offense. If, if Ramondre Stevenson is Le'Veon Bell, like I have said, half seriously, uh, and he stays on the field all the time and he catches 100 balls while also rushing for 1,500 yards, that will change the offense. That doesn't necessarily mean it was a an intended scheme change from the coaching staff. I think the talent is and always will dictate what they look like. Yeah, uh, I don't think I don't think it's going to be that big a deal. Um, Shine, this question comes from uh, at Fitzy GFY, something ooh. we batted around the radio. Deleted this past him. I blocked him. I I, no matter how much you mute, he just keeps popping back, popping back up by now. Um, the idea of the positionless defense gained more traction as Adrian Phillips spoke to it recently. And then we talked about it with Mike Giardi over the weekend. How do you feel about the Patriots going with what could ultimately be described as a, even though there will be obviously assignments and positions, what many may term a positionless defense comfortable with that. I mean, for months now, I've been saying it seems like they're going to go with an amorphous style because Andy even questioned my use of the word amorphous style defense. And and I think it makes sense. I I think last year when this team was at its best, they were running these, these crazy plays where it was like simulated blitzes, right? They had five guys up in the box. You had no clue which one was coming. One could come, three could come, all five could come or none of them could. And so it was this really interesting thing that that I think it was kind of the evolution of what they might go with now, right? Where it's 
okay, now it's five guys, but they all do the same thing, right? They're all like safety linebacker hybrids where it's like, nah, he can cover in the slot, but he could also blitz and he could also just play drop into zone. Like it's, it's these weird things. And I think that's, I, I think that's Belichick's bread and butter is figuring out how to master a defense like that, which is why I never wanted him to take his offense or his focus away from that and focus on the, on the offense so much, because I think, he showed last year in spots, it didn't really work against Buffalo, but in spots, he showed how good he is as a defensive coach in his handling of that. And so uh, I I think they can do it successfully to the point where they stop Buffalo. It doesn't feel like it, but there, I guess that remains to be seen. I'm a broken record. I think this is a similar thing to the offense. Oh, we're going to, we're going to be positionless defense. Can you play? How much yeah. talent are you putting on the field? I don't care what you call the positions. What level of talent are you putting on the field would be my question. Because Bill has done this basically back to the mid-2000s. He's liked the blending of safeties and linebackers. He's liked the blending of linebackers and D-linemen and, and safeties and corners. And Rodney's going to be up and Ty Law's going to be back like he's a safety. Like, he's done this. And you know why it worked? Ty Law, Rodney Harrison... Mike Vrabel, Teddy Bruschi, really good players made it work. I don't know if he has the horses. There's a lot of questions mm -hmm. about the horses, the Josh Uches, the Ronnie Perkins, the guys that are going to be pieces to the puzzle. Bill has said it. Steve Belichick has said it. Um, so it's great in theory. I love the idea. Like yep. positionless basketball. Are you a one or a five? You're a point forward. You could we can all bring the ball up, right? Bullpen by committee is genius. Uh. If you have like Andrew Miller and these guys that are good, mm -hmm. it all falls on its effing face if the guys involved in these theoretical ideas can't play. Yeah. It's, it's talent. Pointing back to Rodney and Ty Law and whatnot, I like to call that uh how did the Patriots win or what were the hallmarks of the defense? It was tied. Toughness, intelligence uh deception and excellence and between the players and the coaches they were able to execute on all fronts and that's kind of what made those defenses so hard to crack for so long and now if you don't have the guys that can not only try to trick the offense but also make the play be where they need to be tackle hard and make people afraid to try to make the plays where they do on offense then it all matters for not um real quick andy i just want to throw this last thing at you and our little potpourri and we'll wrap it up I posted a quick little thing earlier to weei.com, bookmark it, visit it, love it, and read it. Uh, five free agents, both of you guys can jump in and just give me a zero to 10 on the interest or probability level. Five free agents who could possibly still help the Patriots price tag withstanding. Uh, can I throw them at you? Sure. All right, here we go. Uh, first one, Larry Ogunjobi, defensive tackle. Um, Not a ton of interest. Yeah, fine. I, I mean, yeah. the Patriots have limited resources, so mm -hmm. we have to keep that in consideration. So they do have about half a million dollars right now in available money and still have players they need to sign. Which is why everybody's trying to uh, speculate a Isaiah Wynn trade. Although if you trade Isaiah Wynn, the thin line gets thinner. But go ahead. Well, then you could possibly bring in somebody like either Riley Reef or Eric Fisher at offensive tackle. Looking to maybe create a little tackle depth uh, competition at the tackle spots. Yeah, yeah I don't I'm that I'm okay with that. Like I, I think you might need that. Like we talked about the the fragility of Trent Brown. Yep. Uh I mean Isaiah Wynn is no you know stud there at tackle either. So bringing in a, a veteran guy on a relatively inexpensive deal, I, I think would make a lot of sense. And 
I had told you guys, I just thought Stuber smelled Andrew Stuber, the late round pick. He smelled like a developmental tackle guy that could, well, the more he misses, he's missed both OTA sessions. We were out there. He's now missed mm. mini camp. Mm. You start to say you fall too far behind, and that yep. cuts into your depth. Who knows about the second year guys? They may or may not like um, Sherman and some of those other guys. Right. But yeah, I'm all for veteran backup offensive linemen. I think those are a good thing to have. Same, same, same. That's where I'd look too. Uh, two more names, of course, the afore and often mentioned Trey Flowers at defensive yes. end. Yes, right. I would love to have Trey Flowers added to the mix on the end of yes. the line. He's just a good, trustworthy, knowledgeable, fit everywhere within the locker room and the scheme player. I actually wonder, and I think we brought this up, Fitzy, mm-hmm. with Paul. Could they yeah. have like a, we'll see in a. Yeah, we'll see weeks. in July. Yeah, we'll see yeah. in a couple a couple weeks. Like, take, take your time. There. Yeah. You made your money in Detroit. Come in, small deal. Let us get the contracts worked out. See who looks good in June minicamp. And then we'll talk to you later. Last one. Shime, I have a feeling you would love this. It's the least probable of the five, but you know what? YOLO. W-T-F. Can I guess? Yeah, go for it. Is it a receiver? It is not. I went all trench warriors. I went all line beef and Dominican Sue. Sure. I, I think defensive line is quite possibly one of the least of your issues. Um, mm. So I, mm. I, it doesn't really excite me. It's fine. I mean, if you want to bring him in, I, I, if he's if he's going to come in on a veteran minimum deal, like sure, whatever. If he's going to play the show for him, he's out because Akeem Hicks got the ten million dollar deal down in Tampa. There's been interest, perhaps, with New Orleans. He's gotten paid a ton. I don't know if he's chasing another ring. If he just wants an opportunity, something different. If uh, he wants a paycheck, Andy, but just you know, just for fun, because that's what we're doing. It's June, and we're talking football on a podcast. Wouldn't it be kind of fun to watch Sue and Belichick just you know for the hell of it? I'll tell you, if there's a local team that I would prefer to sign Dominican Sue, it would be the Boston Celtics for game three of the NBA Finals. Match up with that, Draymond Green. I that agree. That would be my answer to Draymond yes. Green. Hey, Great Draymond, playing. you want to bully somebody? Well, we got well, a new player. Hey, Why Sue, don't you, you try know. and pull his pants down, exactly. Mofo? Step on there. your ankle instead. See what happens there. I'm fine. Yeah, he's going to come in and bite your kneecaps. All right. Another excellent edition of Six Rings and Football Things. Make sure you give us a rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends. Available wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, WEEI.com, The Works. That's your producer and third man in Chris Shime Time Shime. As always, fresh from the field at Mandatory Veteran Minicamp, the one and only Andy Jumbo Hart. I'm your old pal and driver on the day, Nick Fitzy Stevens. We'll be back in just a couple of days with another podcast. More thoughts from days two and three of Mandatory Veteran Minicamp 2022. As always, give us a follow at Six Rings Pod on Twitter. We would love your questions for the next episode. Until then, go Celtics, drink up, God bless, and as always, go F yourself. Bye. Bye. Absolutely not. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As 
Former SportsCenter anchors and current sports obsessives were consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.